Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pleasure right now, though, to head over to the guest line. New book that came out uh, back in December that you can get and uh, check out. Uh, talking all about the history of ESPN. It's called ESPN One Giant Leap for Fankind, and it's the author of that book and the founder of ESPN joining us right now. That's Bill Rasmussen. Bill, good afternoon. How are you? Pretty good. Appreciate your time, Bill. And uh, look, obviously, uh, I know for all of us, uh, ESPN has been a part of our lives uh, since uh, you launched that uh, back in 1979. But for you, when did uh, your idea come about to create a sports network? Well, it was a rather uh, it was a rather instant uh, event in my life. I was a broadcaster uh, doing on uh, TV and radio play-by-play for the then New England Whalers in Hartford, Connecticut. And as the season ended in 1978, Memorial Day weekend, I was fired. And we had been talking about doing some things in the state of Connecticut for the hockey team. And I said, well, since I don't work for the hockey team anymore, we'll uh, talk to the University of Connecticut and maybe we can do something in state for the cable systems. Well, it turned out that that was a pretty good idea. (laughs) We incorporated in July on Best Deal Day, July 14th, 1978, went on the air in 1979, and in between then, all we had to do was get some programming and some money, and, you know, we had plenty of time to do that in eight or nine months. <laughs> we had plenty of time. It, was, it was kind of a wild time, to be honest with you. Uh, it sounds like, and you talk about trying to get money, and I know a big corporate sponsor you got was Anheuser-Busch. How did that process play out of trying to sell your, your idea, dream, and to get the support of such a big company? Well, it was interesting because I had uh, done some work along the way in the advertising business. Obviously, if you're in the broadcasting business, at some point you learn some of these names. But the big thing was to just charge into the, into the fray as if we had programming when we started we didn't have the ncaa we couldn't do live football games as a matter of fact there weren't very many done it was the big three networks were only doing what 25 games a year if you can imagine that but uh, we decided to take the tack that we would talk to the cable companies advertisers and the ncaa all at once this was after we were awarded a transponder and so if we were talking to getty oil we told them we were for money we told them we were talking to the NCAA for programming and to Anheuser-Busch for advertising, biggest sports advertiser in the world. They've got to take this. And then if we were talking to Anheuser-Busch, we would tell them, you know, Getty is doing them, considering making their final decisions about financing and the NCAA. And so we just, we kind of had, it was like the juggler, three balls in the air all at once and telling the other, whichever one we were holding, we were telling the other 
telling them about the other two. And uh, they all started to talk to each other, and they said, what do you think? And pretty soon they all came on board. It was, um, you know, you have to, you just have to charge into the world. You have to be curious. You can't ever be complacent. You just have to go do it. And this time it worked. Bill Rasmussen now joining us on the afternoon rush. And would you have ever imagined that this idea that you came up with, this is now what it would all become? Well, I, I don't think anything, anyone back in the day thought we had any credibility at all. I thought it was a pretty great idea. And uh, as we got started and began to get some enthusiasm, I really felt that the fans would really, really enjoy this because you know, fans, if you're a fan, you're a fan. Young, old, rich, poor, male, female, northeast, southwest, doesn't matter where you are, you're a fan. And that's why millions of people do what they do. And that's why ESPN Radio is ESPN Radio. Um, so I don't know that anybody on the face of the earth could have guessed it would become the behemoth that it is today. It's just amazing. I look at the uh, football bowl season just completed, and they did 43 bowl games. Who who knew? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, next week might be, I mean, next year or next 10 years, maybe we'll be doing 50. I, it's just, it's incredible. Well, and as we know, technology has had such a role in sports and media and just life in general. How have you not only stayed up to date throughout all of this in your journey, but almost stayed ahead of what to expect and what's to come? I guess I've always been an optimist. Uh, I'm, uh, I have uh, been diagnosed, as you perhaps know, with Parkinson's uh, some years ago, and I live with Parkinson's every day. And uh, it's kind of interesting. If you have intentional optimism, if you can wake up in the morning with a smile and look forward to what you're going to do every day and um, charge into the world. Just as when I woke up this morning, I look, look forward to talking to all of you. <laughs> and um, it's, it's I, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I've just always been an optimist. Um, if I, when I played ball, if I had a single, I always thought I could steal second base <laughs> and then it was third. And someday, one day, I know the, the highlight of my base stealing career, I stole home twice in the same game. That, that was kind of fun. So <laughs> if you have that kind of optimism, you can make anything work. Bill, as you guys got on the air, obviously you were going to need some talent uh, to, to help do do the job. And I remember I'm a, I'm the oldest member of this group. So I remember ESPN first coming on in the original anchors. You had George Grand, you had Chris Berman, you had Tom Meese. How, how was how did, how was the process of finding the talent to to do your sports centers? Well, it was interesting. George Grand, of course, was already uh, doing television by that time uh, in uh, in New York and New Haven and around the area. Um, mostly. The, the, Chris Barber lived in Cheshire, Connecticut. Mr. Brown was doing some sports at Brown uh, University, and just came in. and If you if you have Chris Berman walk in and present himself and say, "I'm here to apply for this job," he really kind of storms into everything. Says, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> That's Chris. He's a very dear friend. Um, but the best when we made the announcement, I can remember the phone beginning to ring. Uh, and we eventually ended up, uh, per, perhaps you would remember the old uh, tape cassettes where you used to 
Yeah. Put, put together. Yeah. Sure. So we ended up, people started sending them to us. We had about 2,500 of them arrive, as a matter of fact, because everybody in the world can be a sportscaster, right? <laughs> and the question was, how do we, what do we do now? How do we take care of 2,500? Who do we invite? Who do we not invite? Well, Scotty Connell has been a veteran with NBC television and sports for years and years. And he said, invite them all. And we all, you know, us rookies, we all looked at each other. We said, what do you mean invite them all? <laughs> to Bristol. And he said, just invite them all. Well, he knew what he was talking about because about all but 10% of them just never, never showed up, never did anything. And the rest of them came up. There were a lot of newcomers who had never done television and, and they just uh, put him on a set and said, okay, do, do two or three minutes of sports. You, you write it, you deliver it, we'll, we'll let you know. And that was a weeding out process that led to a lot of folks who later on were in the business. But there, there were none that really came in that were Chris Berman, George Grand. And, you know, they were, they, were, they were big from the start. Bob Lee. Yeah. Uh, to Tom Mees, of course. Uh, if you have... A, a, one funny one I should say a second for a funny moment. One of those fellows that we Scotty just sent in said, Go ahead, you're on, it's your turn. He went in and he sat down, read or delivered whatever he was going to deliver in his minute and a half or two minute uh, audition. And you could tell the sweat was running down the center of his back <laughs> and he was very tense. And when he finished, he put the script down on the, on the desk. Got up and walked out to the front of the studio, and it was a, a hallway ran the length of the building, just outside the studio. We walked out, turned left, walked out the front door, and we never heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> he just, uh, we, we had we had a lot of those things. We had a rookie director. Uh, we were it wasn't quite the polished facility in in Bristol that it is today. We had fields, uh, weeds, and mud, and ditches, and rainwater, and everything. One of the young directors who had been hired, he was probably 22 or 3 years old, again on a trial basis, was given a, a month or something to work to see him prove himself. <laughs> he parked on the wrong side of a muddy ditch that had a 2 by 12 was the desired way to walk across. He slipped and fell off <laughs> and walked into the studio basically covered with mud and, <laughs> and grass and weeds. <laughs> And I, everybody said, well, what are we going to do now? And he said, the show. <laughs> they gave him some towels, and he sat down and did his show. <laughs> just There was a just a, an amazing, amazing attitude that, that, that year between the time I got fired and as more people came on board, it just got better and better. And every single person believed it was going to work, except some, some folks in the cable industry laughed at it. And what was happening. And then when I first made the pitch to the cable industry, it was one penny a day. Yeah. So I was asking per subscriber, one penny. Wow. $3.65 a year. Some, I'm not sure how many years later, uh, eight or 10 years later, ESPN was charging over $9 mm. per month per subscriber, not yeah. 30 cents. And uh, that made them, a, by that time, uh, Disney was involved, and that made Disney very happy, and ESPN has <laughs> made a lot of money for Disney. Bill Rasmussen, the, the book is out. So tons of great stuff in there. ESPN, One Giant Leap. 
for Fankind. Uh, Bill, appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Really Great. enjoy it. Thank you. There you go. Great stuff uh, with Bill Rasmussen again. The book ESPN, One Giant Leap uh, for Fankind. We'll take a timeout. More to come. We continue here. It's the Afternoon Rush, 730 The Game.